Hey everyone, welcome to our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast. I'm your host, Angie Miller, and today we are going to talk about being in a state of flow. So I have a question for you. Have you ever been in the middle of a workout and you've been so absorbed in the experience that you completely lost track of time? It's like time just suspended. You're just enjoying that experience so much. Well, that's being in a state of flow. And I have a guest expert today. Her name is Olivia Ellis. She is an NASM personal trainer, and she is also a PhD student in positive developmental psychology. And I am always super jazzed to talk to people who have an expertise in positive psychology. So Olivia is going to come here today, and she's going to share all of her expertise about how we can get our clients into this state of flow, because it's like this inherent intrinsic motivation. When you're in a state of flow, you don't even realize you're exercising. And wouldn't that be the epitome if we could get our clients there? So I'm going to bring Olivia in and let her introduce herself. Olivia, how you doing? Hi, Angie. I'm doing well. I'm thrilled to be here today and I'm grateful for the space to be able to um, have these conversations. So thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited too. Just the whole idea of flow. And I'm so glad you came on because I love this topic. I'm super intrigued by it. I'm like, nobody better to speak to it than my friend Olivia. So how do we transform our clients' experience and how do we understand the science behind flow so that we can bring it to all of our clients? So Olivia, let's just start with this. Can you tell us in your own words, what is flow exactly? Well, Angie, I think your introduction was pretty much spot on. Um, so to reiterate and maybe to build a, on what you're saying, it's that state of being fully absorbed in what you're doing where um, time just kind of passes without even realizing it. You kind of lose awareness of what's going on around you and you're just fully absorbed uh, in the task at hand. And what's really great is flow could be a variety of activities, but uh, can be extremely relevant to the fitness and wellness industry in terms of um, if we can create these opportunities, uh, these places where people can experience flow, um, it will be a lot more enjoyable of an experience and something that people will want to return to. Yeah. Well, you know what? And I want to know the secret because for years I've been a runner and for years people are like, you know how you get into that state of flow? And I'm like, yeah, no, I don't know. Okay. I never get into a state of flow when I'm running. I'm always in this state of, is this almost over? <laughs> so I want to know how to get into a state of flow. I get into a state of flow sometimes when I'm doing yoga and other experiences. I just can't seem to get that state of flow when I am running. I feel like it hurts too much. So um, so, okay. So flow is kind of what we said then it's that sense that you lose track of time. And I heard you say that it's not just in fitness. We could probably experience a state of flow at work. Couldn't we? Yeah. Uh, the research behind flow really started in the creativity realm. So looking at, uh, artists, uh, musicians and trying to understand what is it that these artists are doing where they are really just working all day on this masterpiece and just kind of losing track of time. What is that? And um, and then how can we replicate that for in other experiences? So Angie, I really relate to you talking about running and um, maybe feeling like you can't get into a state of flow. There are definitely forms of physical activity where I, will probably not ever be able to get in, into a state of flow. Um, and others that I really can. And it really kind of, um, there's 
two conditions to enter flow. And uh, one of them has to deal with challenge and someone's skill level. So um, a flow state is the merging, kind of the, the point in which someone's challenge, how, how hard they feel they're working, meets their skill level. It's, uh, or the sense of challenge is just a tiny bit ahead of where they feel their skill level is. So um, sometimes there might be, a, sometimes when people are working out where maybe they feel like uh, the challenge is below what their skill level is. Um, and if this is the case, then people might experience boredom. But on the other side, if, the workout is way too challenging for someone. Um, not only can that lead to challenges physically, um, burnout, uh, potentially injury, but when we're talking about a state of flow, uh, when challenge exceeds to a dramatic extent, exceeds our skill level, it can lead to feelings of anxiety around it as well. And so it's important to kind of understand how to get people into a state of flow and then also understand what, the, what happens when um, when challenge is too little or, or too much for an individual. All right, well, let's deep dive into that, but I wanna kind of, you know, stay with that for one second. So I heard you say that really to get into flow, it has to be where challenge matches skill level. There has to be like this, this nuance or this perfect marriage, because if challenge is too high, I'm never gonna get into a state of flow because I'm gonna get anxious and frustrated. Right. And so I've been there, done that. I've run races where I'm like, oh, I'm in so much pain. I don't even know if I'm going to make it to the end. And then if challenge is too low, then I'm going to get bored. I'm going to get disinterested. And I love that there's like that special nuance where you have to find it where you challenge me enough, but I also enough to where my skills and my capacity can manage that. So I, I, I love that also that you said that flow started in the creative field. Because uh, a couple of years ago, when we moved to Charlotte, I started refinishing old furniture <laughs> and I became obsessed with it. And I swear you, I don't know if it's a state of flow or obsession. I'm sure that there's a borderline on that one, but I would just completely get lost in a piece for hours and hours and hours and hours. And it's the only real creative endeavor I've ever done. And so that totally makes sense to me. I love the way that you explain that. So finding that nuance between challenge and skill level. So um, I know you've written an article about this too. So let's go back to what you said. Let's kind of talk about some of that science and help us unpack this in palatable ways where it makes sense to us. Because, you know, sometimes we go, science, that's too much. Yeah. Um, and Angie, I think that's a great example where you're refinishing furniture. It might be a new skill for you. Maybe you've uh, tried one aspect of refinishing furniture and you're trying a new one. So you're feeling like it might be exciting because it's a new skill. So um, so you're feeling challenged in a way that your your skill level is, is uh, catching up to it. So I think that's a really great example and definitely something I'd love to talk to you about uh, later because I'm also really into furniture. But um, yeah, what's great about flow and the research on flow is that uh, the experience of flow is consistent across gender. It's a consistent across age, um, as well as different cultures and different types of activities. Um, what goes into flow, the experience of flow is consistent. And so I think that's great when we're talking about the research of flow is we can really um, apply 
this research into uh, clients' experiences in physical activity uh, because it is consistent across different activities, different genders, different ages. I love that because that's true because even I teach a lot of older adults as well. And, and absolutely, if they get too challenged, they just get frustrated and they're like, you know, I don't have time for this. But if they're not challenged enough, they just get bored and they lose their interest. And so you're right. I feel like it's it's all ages. All of us respond to the same to a degree, we respond to stimuli very similarly, right? We all want a challenge, but we don't want a challenge that demoralizes us. We want a challenge that makes us feel like we have the capacity to grow where we get a walk away and we're like, man, I am so good. Um, but Olivia, before we before I give the mic back to you, I want to reintroduce you. I'm talking to Olivia Ellis. She's an NASM personal trainer, so of course we love her. And she's also a PhD student in positive developmental psychology. And we are talking about being in a state of flow and how we can transform our clients' experiences and get them into that state of flow. So let me give you back the mic, Olivia, and tell us a little bit more about the research. Sure. So the research backs up uh, what we've been talking about where um, flow is that experience where um, challenge and skill level kind of meet, maybe challenge slightly exceeds the skill level. And then when you're talking about conditions for entering a state of flow, uh, there is that challenge and skill level that's crucial to it. And then um, also important to have uh, goals with immediate feedback. So this is directly applicable to the fitness industry uh, when people might have goals for one session of a workout or long-term goals, and then trying to see how what the, um, what the immediate feedback would be during a, um, uh, a session. So if my long-term goal might be um, weight loss and I'm able to, to feel uh, changes happening in my body, such as I'm feeling my muscles working in that moment, that is that immediate feedback that I'm getting, that I uh, am continuing on my pursuit to reaching my goal. So we have those goals, we have those immediate feedback, that immediate feedback while engaging in the activities, such as physical activity. Um, and these would be the two conditions to kind of enter a state of flow. Okay. So to have it be a challenge, but also to have that immediate feedback, I'm curious, could the immediate feedback, does it have to be personal or could it be something um, even like our treadmill says how far we've gone or how many calories we've burned, or could it be feedback in terms of what we're seeing on a machine? It could be if, uh, the, the key, circling back to what you mentioned in the beginning, the key is that intrinsic uh, motivation component. Um, so making sure that it's uh, something that's motivating to the individual um, in the in the long run. So so it could definitely be um, if you're, you know, if your goal was to reach two miles, seeing that progress as you go um, could definitely be a form of seeing that immediate feedback, feeling the changes in your body, which maybe people uh, in the beginning might not understand could be leading to their long-term goal, uh, is, it would be a form of immediate feedback. This would be a great opportunity for someone like a personal trainer, someone in the fitness industry to really explain to someone um, how what they're feeling connects to their goals so that when they are working out and when they are noticing um, these changes, what's going on in their body, when they're noticing that they're able to connect it to that goal. And, um, and again, it's a reinforcing activity, reinforcing that behavior. 
Okay, I love that. So it's got to be a trainer who's got enough intuition and insight and enough scientific knowledge to recognize that this is the client's goal. And so they're asking them almost like asking guided questions to what their body is feeling and experiencing and then being able to associate it back to this means that this is taking place. You know, if you're feeling these muscles do this or your heart rate is doing this, this is a direct correlation to these goals. So good for you, Olivia. You're really making progress and getting to where you want to go. Am I hearing that right? Absolutely. Yeah. And so it could be um, at the beginning of a workout saying if you're noticing X, Y, Z, um, these are uh, activities that are helping you towards your goal. Um you know, in a, in a larger setting or even a one-on-one, -on -one, you could even uh, point out how, um, you know, how a certain activity is, is helping them to achieve their goals during the session. That would be a form of immediate feedback as well. Okay. So we know that we know, we know that challenge meet needs to meet skill level. We know that goals are really imperative and that they need to have immediate feedback throughout these experiences. It can be at the beginning, it can be throughout, but they need to have immediate feedback. And we also know that flow um, is it, the way we get into flow and the way we motivate people to get into flow is consistent across gender, culture. So we can apply all this research to any one of our clients in any type of physical fitness um, situation. I was also reading about like some universal factors of flow. And one of them was what you mentioned, the challenge. And another one was the clear goals. Are there any other universal factors or things that we would think about in association with helping our clients get to flow? Yeah, so there are certain characteristics of flow. And uh, let me first start out by saying when flow, um, flow was termed by Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi and um, some of the arguments about flow is that when you're talking about the question, what is a good life? Oftentimes a, a, a reply to that would be being fully present, fully engaged in, in an activity being fully uh, into the present moment. And this really is flow. So one of the arguments is that uh, being in a state of flow is living a good life. Um, now there are different characteristics of flow, uh, such as what we've talked, um, we, we talked about conditions for entering flow, but some other characteristics of flow would be uh, really being focused on, on the present moment. So, uh, which can be challenging for many, uh, especially with tons of distractions around us. If we're at a public fitness center, uh, there might be TV screens. We might have our phone on us, which could be a distraction. Um, it could be um, if we know other people at that fitness center, you know, sometimes we might approach them while they're working out. They might approach us or even, even away from someone might be a little bit distracting. So uh, it's this intense and focused concentration on the present moment. And um, another, oh. I, I was actually taking notes. You caught me taking notes. I was like, okay, this is fascinating. I have to go back on something you said real quick. I have to pick up on when you said the question became, and I can't pronounce the gentleman's name. Please don't make me do that. But the question became, what is a good life? And I was like, what 
an amazing question. Like, what is a good life? I love that question. If you asked a million people that, we would get a million answers. But if you peel away all the layers of that, it's so spot on. A good life is just being fully present with whatever you're doing, feeling completely engaged in the moment, feeling like if, if life were to end now, this moment is the epitome of it. I absolutely love that. I'm like, that's a great explanation. Um, you know, it's, it's like going to an outdoor concert and just getting lost in the music and the atmosphere and, and just feeling fully present. Like this is, this is just a moment of pure joy. Right. I like that. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's definitely something, uh, definitely something worth striving for. All right. So go back. You started to name some other, you started to say, you know, you talked about the goals, uh, present moment concentration, keep going. I'm picking your brain here. Uh, so there's this, also this feeling of you kind of lose awareness of yourself. Um, you're so engaged in what you're doing that you just kind of lose awareness altogether of what's going on around you. Um, you're just fully uh, connecting to the other idea. You're fully absorbed. Um, there's also this idea of time moving faster would be another characteristic of flow where, uh, if someone is in a state of flow, there might be, um, 30 minutes feels like five minutes. You just look back and you say, how did this uh, exercise session go so quickly would be um, uh, another characteristic of flow. Mm, I love that. You know what I think about when I think about losing awareness? I think one of my, the favorite, my favorite thing that comes to my mind is that there's so much um, conscientiousness surrounding going to the gym. Like, in other words, people are so caught up in what am I wearing? How do I look? How's my butt look? How's my outfit look? Oh my gosh, is anybody noticing? Blah, blah, blah. And what I hear you say is that all of that goes away. Like your mental whiteboard is completely crystal clear. You're so lost in the experience that you've, you've lost complete awareness that there's even anyone else in the room, let alone being concerned about what they're thinking. What a powerful experience that is, right? To, to lose that self-consciousness. I guess that's what I'm getting at is people become very self-conscious and comparison oriented. If we could get our clients to a place where they stop comparing themselves to other people, if we could get them to a place where they are no longer self-conscious. Wow. I feel like they would pay us millions. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that, uh, is so, so important. And I think it's a lot, an, another big reason that people, uh, might show interest in getting a personal trainer in the first place is they understand, all right, there might be, um, these other things going on in a gym setting might be a little bit distracting. I need someone to hold me accountable, uh, keep me going, and um, to just be focused on my workout um, on top of the numerous other reasons that, that people would be going to a personal trainer. Um, and one of the other characteristics of flow that I think really uh, builds upon this is the person feeling completely in control. They feel in control of uh, their actions, what's, what's going to happen next. Um, so it's just kind of this, uh, uh, almost this strengthening feeling, uh, just being completely in control of what they're doing. 
I love that. So it's an empowerment. It's a sense of empowerment. If I'm in control of what I'm doing, I'm empowered. I feel empowered by this activity. I feel empowered by my ability to do this activity. So I want to reintroduce you. I'm talking to Olivia Ellis and she's an NASM personal trainer. She's also a PhD student in developmental positive developmental psychology. We're talking about getting our clients into a state of flow. We're talking about how to transform their experience. And Olivia shared that the research on flow really started in the creative field. It started with um, people, artists who were painting and would just lose complete track of time and become so immersed in their activity. So how do we bring that type of flow, that type of immersion into an experience into the fitness space. And honestly, I feel like this is money on the table, people. I really do. All of you listening, this is, if we can get our clients there, this is the epitome of getting people to enjoy fitness. Turning it back to you, Olivia. <laughs> I love that. I love the the focus on the, the need for it in the fitness industry because, um, Again, although the research really started in the creative realm, flow was really being applied to uh, elite athletes in sports psychology as well. Understanding that getting people into a state of flow also would help them in terms of peak performance. So performing at their best um, would help them to kind of uh, really get in the zone um, when they're, uh, when they're uh, working as well. So kind of if, if you were to think about an elite athlete um, on a soccer field and someone is uh, booing them or something, they're in a headspace where all of that is tuned out. They're just fully present. So it really minimizing distraction um, there as, as well. So um, my question then for the fitness industry is why aren't we making more of an effort to incorporate um, the science behind flow, what we know to be helpful for elite athletes into the average everyday exerciser. And I think a big part of that lies in the hands of um, understanding that as fitness professionals, we have the ability to make that happen. And so, um, and I think that really starts fundamentally with understanding that that level of, of challenge and skill level for an exerciser and understanding how we can um, apply that into one-on-one -on -one sessions um, in, in the fitness industry. Okay, I love that. I love that you posed a question because I think questions are powerful because I think, you know, what I hear you say is, hey, if we can use this with elite athletes, if we can take this from the creative space, we can find application with elite athletes. What's holding us back, fit pros? What's holding us back, trainers, from bringing this to our clients and getting them into a flow state? Well, the only thing holding us back is, is maybe just not understanding what flow is and, and the relevance of it. And so that's why we wanted to introduce it to you today, right? So Olivia, just to do a quick recap, I heard you say that in order to get our clients into flow, the two main factors are they have to feel challenged, but their skill level has to be able to rise to the occasion. You can't challenge them beyond what they can actually um, realistically achieve, or you're only going to frustrate them. But if you don't challenge them enough, they're going to be bored. No one gets into flow when they're bored. Okay. So I heard the, the challenge and the skill part. And then to do a recap, Olivia was talking about all the different, um, the, the different components that we have to have in order to be in a state of flow. And one of them is, is, you know, when we're in a state of flow, we have this present moment 
meditativeness that we hear about when we hear, think about meditation, right, Olivia? I, I always think about learning to be present when I think about people who meditate. Um, when we take yoga, we learn to be fully present, to use our breath to ground us in the moment. But I hear you say, hey, you know what? A state of flow, you don't have to be meditating to be completely immersed in the moment. Right. I think that's I think that's such a good point. And I love the idea of meditation um, because one of the other characteristics of flow uh, that I haven't mentioned yet, it, I, re I really feel like is uh, reflective of meditation and that's the merging of action and awareness. So um, understanding our actions that we're doing uh, similar to mindfulness and meditation, uh, that we are bringing our awareness to to our actions in the present moment. So I, I feel uh, meditation and mindfulness in general. There's a lot of 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 overlap there. I, I, I definitely see that. Yeah, and the way that I teach it in meditation is I teach it like you are stepping outside of yourself, and you're noticing that you're noticing. So you're noticing that you're noticing your thoughts. You're noticing that you're noticing this moment that you are in. So it's like bringing awareness to your actions. But, um, you know, did I explain that well? Does that does that make sense? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Bring uh, uh, again when it's almost like the exact definition of flow. Um, so that full awareness in the present moment, um, such as you would experience in uh when doing mindfulness exercises. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I'm there right now. So Olivia talked about some of these characteristics are um, the present moment concentration. You have to be fully present in the moment, um, merging action and awareness, like what you just talked about. So being fully aware of your actions in the moment. And then also at the same time, which seems kind of contradictory, but it makes total sense, losing awareness of what's going on outside of you, right? You're so immersed in this experience that you have no ability to get caught up in comparisons or what does my outfit look like or does my butt look big or right you're not you're no longer there that's not even in someone's space they're not worried about who's looking at them or not looking at them and then you also mentioned this sense that time moves fast like it's over and you're like how did that happen it feels like i just got started absolutely yeah, um, that's a great recap, Angie. And then, um, and then the final one that I would add is just that the activity itself is rewarding. Um, so it it just has this experience of kind of like a a, a positive uh, feedback loop for it. Um, you don't feel like you're doing it for the sake of anything else other than just doing the activity. Um, which for uh, some of us, we might potentially start physical, start a physical activity program um, for reasons other than just wanting to do the physical, do physical activity. Uh, but it can be a skill that we can continue to learn and refine. Yeah, I like that. I like that. It has to be rewarding. And you're right, because I mean, the, all the research supports that a lot of times what brings people to the gym is weight loss. It's, it's a very common goal. But what keeps them there is something completely different. Six months down the road, often what keeps them there are some of these things that you are mentioning. They find activities that are rewarding. They find trainers that are able to help, you know, get them to that place of intrinsic motivation and find activities that speak to them. 
So Olivia, we know, you know, what flow is, and we know a little bit about the research and we know, um, some of these, um, factors of flow, so to speak, right? All these different factors that we just talked about. So I guess the big question is how do we, what are some flow state triggers? How do we get our clients into that? What, what advice would you give to trainers who are listening today? Yeah, I think with trainers, that first session with a, a client where you're kind of assessing their skill level is really important because then when you're programming, um, you can really cater it to make sure that not only are, are we progressing our, our clients properly physically, but we're setting them up for success uh, mentally and emotionally uh, to, to get into this flow experience which can be really helpful to know that if you're working with an elite athlete, if you're working with a beginner exerciser, um, regardless of what someone's goals are, you have the ability to get all of them into this extremely rewarding state. So the, the first step I feel would be to uh, understand someone's skill level so that we understand how to challenge them properly um, and build a program accordingly to get them into that, that flow state. Um, I think that first session is also really important in terms of understanding their motivation and understanding um, what what goals would help set them up for success um, and what sorts of activities should we be um, uh, incorporating into their program to make sure that there is that alignment, um, that the, the exercises are helping them to, to meet their goals and they are seeing that immediate feedback. Um, I think a personal trainer can also be someone who helps them to direct their attention to their workout. I think one of the common phrases that we use in physical activity uh, to help kind of narrow someone in is by telling them what not to focus on. Uh, I think this is extremely common and I'm definitely guilty of it as well, but talking about, hey, there is a TV screen on the wall, don't worry about it. There are the distractions of people walking in. Don't worry about it. The moment we start directing their attention, even saying, don't, don't think about it, don't worry about it, uh, the more we are directing their attention to it. So uh, making sure that we are directing their attention to what we actually want them to focus on. Uh, for example, if they, if they are running or they are walking, making sure that you're directing their attention to exactly what they're doing, saying, this is what I want you to focus on feeling. Um, this is the uh, alignment that I want you to be in. Um, and you can use the mirror as a reference. So, um, so making sure that we're directing their attention appropriately to what they should be doing and then really limiting that distraction. If they don't need to have a smartphone on them, um, maybe asking them to put it away so that there are no, 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 uh, no texts coming in or emails coming in that can certainly, um, take attention away from being fully absorbed in the task at hand, uh, making sure that someone is physically in a space that might minimize distractions as well. Um, so if you're talking about a, a public fitness center, is there a, a private space where someone might feel comfortable enough to really lose track of time, to really um, not be worried about what someone on the other side of the room might be thinking of, of them uh, working out. So creating that, that space for them uh, physically as well. Okay, I love that. So can I do a little recap? 
Absolutely. So I asked Olivia, I'm talking to Olivia Ellis, we're talking about getting our clients into a state of flow, which is this, this state of like where you work out and you get finished and you don't even, you got, you just get lost in the workout. It's like this euphoria. And so we're talking about how do we get our clients into that state of flow? And so I asked, what are some triggers? You know, how do we get our clients into a state of flow? And so Olivia, you mentioned that in that first session, it's really important. First and foremost, we have to understand our client's skill level because one of the first things Olivia said, it was, we have to challenge them but their challenge has to meet their ability. And so we cannot exceed their abilities or they're going to get frustrated. So we have to understand their skill level because we have to know how far can I take this person? I want to keep them challenged. I don't want them to get bored, but I don't want them to walk away because they're frustrated. And then you said that we have to understand their motivation and their goals. And oh my gosh, like that's huge because first of all, motivations change over time. We even talked about that when people first join a gym, their motivations might be different six months down the road, but what is their driver? What makes them want to put their foot on the gas pedal? What makes them want to grab the wheel of the car and drive to the gym? What is that motivation? We want to tap into that and then know what their goals are. And then you said, direct their attention to the workout, tell them what to focus on, not not what to focus on. <laughs> so I always say, focus on what you're focusing on. Are you focusing on what you don't want or what you do want? If you say to me, Angie, there's a big old chocolate bar on the center shelf of the refrigerator. Don't worry about it. You don't need to eat it. Um, I'm going straight there. And you just alerted me to it. So focus on what you're focusing on. They need to focus on what you want them to focus on. Get rid of distractions as much as you can and make sure that their space is as distraction-free as possible. <gasps> Did I get it all? Angie, I'm very impressed. <laughs> I took yeah. And I, I think the, the, next, um, the next question to that was, all right, we've met our client, we understand their skill level, we understand how to minimize distractions, how to uh, get them engaged and present and their attention focused. However, our clients will continue to progress, you know, because we're such awesome trainers. And so uh, they're going to get stronger. And so it's going to be this continuous uh, play and understanding that if my client is getting stronger, I'm going to need to make sure that that challenge continues to be right at or slightly exceeding that skill level to continue to challenge them and continue to provide opportunities to keep them uh, to, to get them into that flow state. So it's understanding it is that constant dance of if they're progressing, we're going to have to continue to progress with them uh, because what worked the first day isn't going to work once I've been working with them for a year. Um, because if we continue to do that same thing, they might experience that boredom that we were talking about where, um, where their skill level is way exceeding the challenge, which is a good sign for that client that we can continue to, uh, to meet them at their skill level. Yeah. I love that. It's like trainers don't go to sleep at the wheel. Don't go to sleep at the wheel. Stay in tune with what's going on with your clients. Stay in tune. When I'm finished training client, I always say, how do you feel? You know, explain that feeling. What do you think triggered those? You know, give me three adjectives to explain how you feel. What do you think triggered that? What did you do today that put you in that positive mental state? And then also in line, I think in line with um, kind of telling our clients like what to focus on. I think what goes along with that is, is telling them 
my ultimate goal for you is to lose yourself in the exercise. My ultimate goal for you is not to do whatever is going to burn the most amount of calories in the least amount of time. Let's just get that off the table right now. My goal for you, Olivia, if I'm training you, is that I want you to get lost in the experience. I want you at the end of the hour to say, I cannot believe our time is up. I want you just to lose yourself in the sweat and the breath and the moment to moment experience of that workout. I absolutely love that. And I think it's such a good reminder of, I think too, when I'm uh, teaching fitness classes and, you know, there might be that one person that you keep seeing, like look up at the clock and instinctively as a personal trainer, group fitness instructor, instinctively, you might kind of feel like, oh man, am I, am I boring them? But it's also recognizing, all right, well, what can I be doing to make sure that their skill level that cha the challenge is at their skill level or slightly above um so that they can lose track of of time uh because as trainers we we want them to be enjoying the experience and part of that that kind of uh reinforcing that rewarding in itself experience is someone feeling uh when they're when they're looking back that they really have lost track of time and um and that they can't wait to get back back in the gym back working out with you yeah, because like you said, it's a positive reinforcement loop. They want to go back and do it again and again and again. So I have one final question for you, Olivia. I would just like to know, how do we measure flow? So as a trainer, I guess the way I would measure flow, just as a, you know, just um, a simple way to measure flow would be, again, to tell them how I want them to feel, you know, and then ask them, are we close to that? You know, have you, were you able to just lose complete awareness of everybody around you? Um, did you feel like you were in control of this experience? Did you feel like time passed without you even recognizing that? I would ask them questions. That's how I would gauge if they were in a state of flow. Um, I would ask them, you know, were you able to fully concentrate in the moment? I would ask questions like that, but what would you tell trainers? How do they measure whether or not their clients are in a flow state? I, there could be a variety of ways that we um, can measure this, but what's most important to understand is that it really is a subjective experience. It's that exerciser, it's their experience of flow. Um, and they're the one that, they're the ones that really know whether they got into that flow state or not. So uh, there are, in terms of research, there are a variety of scales or self-report questionnaires, which people can um, kind of verbalize whether, whether they got into a flow state or not. And then, uh, uh, and some of those could be um, uh, in, in term, uh, one that you had mentioned, Angie, was there's the flow state scale, which is specifically for physical activity. So if a trainer had really wanted to formalize it as much as have an actual scale, um, that could be one. But I think observation is extremely powerful as well as also just asking asking those probing questions, um, such as what you mentioned, Angie. And even in research, there's this uh, uh, there's what's called triangulation, which means to really understand something, we kind of want to approach it from um, uh, multiple ways. Maybe we're going to use a scale and maybe we as a trainer are going to observe the client and see if it feels like they're losing track of time. 
Um, or maybe we're going to use a scale and uh, ask questions to kind of get more of that uh, qualitative experience, um, just kind of through language, um, trying to understand their experience. So there really could be a variety of ways. Um, but I, I think what you mentioned, asking questions could be a very powerful way to understand if someone is getting into that flow state. And, um, and then also recognizing um, some signs that, that might be when, when people aren't being in a state of flow, which we all might be aware of, such as um, what we mentioned before, looking at the clock, um, looking at the, the people around us. Um, so there might be some, some clear signs that people aren't in a state of flow. So I think observation and, and asking those questions um, during physical activity and after physical activity can definitely be very powerful. Okay, perfect. So they can use the scale. They can use the flow state scale, which I'm sure they can Google and find that flow state scale because I know that I did. We can ask probing questions, but I think the key is trainers is that I think we, we, we guide people where we want them to go. We know this inherently. And so if I want my client to feel a certain way, I want to ask questions that let them know this is how I want them to feel. Because I think that a lot of times people honestly have this misconception that they're not supposed to enjoy exercise. I mean, I'm not kidding. Like they, they go to the gym and they're like, this is supposed to be laborious. This is like work. This is a duty. But they, they don't even realize, you know what? You really can enjoy exercise. What? Okay. You can enjoy it. And if I'm doing my job well, I really want you to enjoy it. And so if we ask these questions, we are guiding our clients and say, hey, I want to take you on a journey. This is what I want you to feel in our journey. And so I'm going to ask you these questions and you and I are going to do this little dance and we're going to create this marriage where I'm able to get you into this flow state so that you absolutely love exercise, right? Absolutely. Well right. said. Well, you know what, Olivia, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for helping us deep dive into a flow state. Trainers, if you have any questions, you can submit it in, you know, our questions. We'll look those up. You can email us. Um, I'm Angie Miller Fitness on social media. You can email me, um, Angie at AngieMillerFitness.com. Olivia, you've got your page up there. I think um, Eric, my producer, can put up your page or you can tell us, you can tell people how they can reach you if they have any questions about flow. What would that be? What's the easiest way? You're welcome to reach out to me on any social media platform, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Um, all of all of those are good options. Uh, my email is Olivia Ellis uh, Fitness at gmail.com as well. Um, and I love uh, connecting with people from uh, all the all over the world with similar similar goals. So I look forward to hearing from you. All right. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Olivia. And thanks to all of you who are listening. May you all be in a flow state during your next workout. All right. We'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.